This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to Elevate, the student ministry of Living Word Church, where we exist to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. Thank you for sharing some of your time with us today. May it elevate Jesus and encourage you. Let's get started. Yeah, so as Dom said, I'm in Hebrews 11 with you guys, and I will be tonight going through the story of Moses. Not his full story, but some of the things that the Hebrews writer decided were um, worthy of highlighting to, to show faith. So if you're in Hebrews 11 and you look to verse one, we get the definition of faith. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is full assurance and strong conviction. Faith can't see, but that doesn't mean that, <clears throat> that there is a gambling involved. Faith is sure. So the, the other day um, at work, I decided that I was gonna touch some electricity. And normally that goes pretty poorly, but if you know what you're doing, if you're standing on the right thing, if you're not grounded, you can touch electricity and having no way to go through you, it won't shock you. So I decided, what? No, it doesn't give you superpowers. I wish it did. Um, I guess the superpower is just not being shocked if you do it right. Uh, but I decided to touch this thing, and I, and I did, and I didn't get shocked. I couldn't see the electricity, um, but I knew beyond a shadow of doubt that I wouldn't get shocked. Um, now, it was live, but the thing was not turned off. But there you get an example of faith. It's full assurance. You can't quite see, but it's full assurance. Through Moses' actions tonight, we'll see that the faithful choose God, even if it means rejecting the world. Tonight, we'll see that Moses' full, full assurance and strong conviction <clears throat> was that the promises of God were better than his life, that were, they were more rich and more worthy of his devotion. And for that reason, Moses exchanged his life as he would have it to take the life that God would give. Again, Moses chose the path of faith. He did not regard his own life or royal riches in Egypt as more important or more valuable than, eternal, than the eternal God's kingdom. <clears throat> Moses was one of the greatest men who ever lived, but we cannot assume that the decision to choose God was easy for him. We do know without a doubt, though, that through any of the difficulties that Moses faced, God was there upholding his child and making him into the servant that he wanted him to be. So if you're taking notes tonight, we've got three points. Number one will be that the faithful reject sin. Number two, the faithful associate with Christ. And thirdly, the faithful endure. If you're in Hebrews 11, look to verse 24. We'll read. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured seeing him who is invisible. The story of Moses is fairly widely known, but if you're not brushed up on your history, 
This is about 14 years, 1400 years, excuse me, before Christ showed up on earth. And at that time, the Pharaoh in Egypt decided that there were way too many Hebrews. The Hebrews were God's people. And they were enslaved, but there were a ton of them, like millions. And so he's, he decides, you know what? We're going to kill every firstborn male child. And Moses was one of them, but he was spared. And he grew, grew up in Pharaoh's house as one of Pharaoh's children. But Hebrews 11.24 shows us where everything changed. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. See, Moses rejected this family of his that he had grown up with. It's estimated that he was like 40 years old whenever he rejected his family. This had been half a lifetime of being in this one house and then up and rejects royalty. See, nothing, like, you've, you've got to understand what, what Moses rejected his life for wasn't riches. It wasn't greater riches. It wasn't even second greatest riches. The people that he chose to go and associate with were slaves. Moses believed that even though God's people were enslaved and mistreated, that it was still better to be a part of them because they were God's people. His priority scale was centered around God. Moses cared more about being owned by God than being pampered by wealth. And if you look to Luke 14, 25 through 26, keep your thumb in, uh, in Hebrews, but we're gonna turn to Luke real quick. Third book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke 14, verse 25, lets us in on a bit of an understanding for leaving family for something greater. If you're there, can I get a big cheesy grin from anybody? Okay, that's enough of them. Perfect. This is Jesus teaching, and he says, now, oh, sorry, he doesn't say this. Now, great crowds accompanied him and he turned and said to them, now he's speaking. And this is difficult. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That's a hard pill to swallow. That is difficult. And when you immediately hear that, it doesn't make much sense. But Jesus isn't getting at, he wants you to be disrespectful to your parents. This isn't that for some reason in Christianity, all of a sudden we you know, blow off authority and we you know, ditch our families. I would never reject my wife. For... But what he is getting at is that there is nothing on earth, nothing at all that should be more valuable than serving Christ. And if there is something on earth that is more valuable to you than serving Christ, you cannot serve Christ. See how this relates to Moses? You see that Moses had valued his family up until this time. But then he looks to God and he realizes being one of God's people is infinitely more valuable than anything that his family could have offered him, anything that wealth could have offered him. So he rejects it. It sounds like repentance. This is exactly what happens in your life whenever you choose that sin, that your way of doing things is no longer as valuable as God's way of doing things, as holiness is, as being one of his children is. 
it reminds me of uh, The Pilgrim's Progress. If you haven't read The Pilgrim's Progress, it's a wonderful book. Uh, it was written by a Puritan a really long time ago. His name's John Bunyan. Um, but it's a, it's a story of metaphors. It's a, it's a book that describes the journey of one man as, um, as he realizes that he has to live for God. See, the man's name was Christian, and he was living in a town um, that was doomed for destruction. He had a wife and he had children. But when he realized that his town was doomed for destruction and that if he stayed there, he would be destroyed by the wrath of God, he had to leave. And he tried as hard as he could to take his family with him. He tried as hard as he could to convince his wife and his children, but they mocked him and they ridiculed him. And so he had to leave. And his family was not more valuable to him than pleasing God was and escaping destruction was. As difficult as it was to leave them, he did. He made that decision. See, we are in the very same situation in our life. We are not in Egypt, but we are called to repent and believe. We do have bondage and sin of our own. We do have the sin that we value entirely too much and the life and the friends that we value entirely too much. Are you willing to reject your life? To be given a new one? Are you willing to stop making excuses for the depravity of your thoughts? Are you willing to give up sinful friendships and relationships for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ? If you are willing to be counted as one of God's people, it's because you truly believe that Christ is Lord, just as Moses believed that God was infinitely more valuable and that being one of his people was infinitely more valuable. Christ is superior because he is the only way that someone can be saved and kept from eternity and wrath. If you feel a nagging voice in your head sometimes that makes you doubt whether or not the way that you are living, the way that you are walking is by faith, don't reject that. With joy, cling to that thought. Submit to that thought. With joy, choose Jesus above friends and above self and above fleshly desires. Remove yourself from that friend group. Remove yourself from that social media platform. Remove yourself from your sin. Remove yourself from your life as you should have it and look to God who wants you to receive his love and his family. If you're willing to reject your old life, good. But don't stop there. Because turning away from one thing is only good if you're turning towards something else. And this brings us to our second point. It's that the faithful not only reject sin, but they associate with Christ. The faithful associate with Christ. Look to the next few verses. So we've got, so far, let me get on the right page here, because we're not in Hebrews. No, I'm in Hebrews. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 25, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Moses chose to associate with God's people because the, he truly believed that being one of God's people was greater than the riches of being one of the Egyptian royals. Moses was a Hebrew by birth, but he didn't have to let that have power over who he wanted to be. Surely he could have remained 
in the Egyptian household. He could have stayed an Egyptian, could have played the part, accepted the royalty, accepted the, the money, the idolatry, and everything that comes with being an Egyptian. But he rejected that. Moses was a Hebrew by birth, and he chose to be just that. The Hebrew people are those who Jesus would one day come from. And in siding with those people, he was siding with Christ. And that might throw you for an immediate loop because Christ wouldn't show up for another 1,400 years, but let me explain. See, in suffering mistreatment with the people of God, Moses is suffering mistreatment with Christ. What Moses did was experience the same kind of disapproval that our Lord did. Our Lord stepped down from a high position to associate with a lowly people. And it's the exact same thing that Moses is doing, stepping down from a high position to associate with a lowly people. See, Moses identifies with the same rejection and lowliness that Christ endured. That's why the scripture says that he considered the reproach of Christ, the disdain, the shame, greater wealth. If you look to Philippians, you don't have to turn there, but Philippians 2, five through seven says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. It's moving from a high position to a low position. Moses did the same thing. Moses chose to partake in the shame and the disdain that was given to the Hebrew people. And this makes no sense because it doesn't seem a fair transaction to go from royalty to slavery. So why would someone abandon the riches they have to be mistreated and poor unless it was their conviction beyond doubt? And their full assurance that the reward is greater than what has been abandoned. Did Moses looked to the reward of being one of God's people he looks to the reward of pleasing an eternal God as far more important than his life. It reminds me of Philippians 3.8. Honestly, just turn to Philippians. Come on, Philippians is great. Philippians 3.8. Oh, there's so much gold in Philippians. If you haven't read Philippians, Philippians 3.8. This one's worth memorizing. Smiles, cheese, thumbs up. There we go. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Counting all things as rubbish, your lifestyle, even family. It makes me think of a story that I just heard um, of someone else who counted their life lower. And uh, this is an article in the week that International Women's Day was celebrated, news emerged of a Kurdish female convert from Islam to Christianity being found murdered in northern Iraq. Middle East Concern reported on the 10th of March, 2022, that a few weeks before her body was found on the 7th of March, the young woman had announced on social media that she had become a Christian. The report also stated that she was preparing for baptism. And you might be thinking, okay, she left one religion for another. The article doesn't name the woman, but it does tell us that she was killed by her uncle and her brother. Not a radical terrorist group, family. 
It is faith that what you're abandoning is less valuable. That who Christ is, that is true supremacy. That is all you need because only he can be your justifier. This woman counted her life, her actual breath, because less valuable because she knew the danger of converting. That is the reproach of Christ. Suffering, martyrdom is the reproach of Christ. Being counted as poor and pitiable and a slave by this world is the reproach of Christ. Moses didn't experience martyrdom for being one of God's people, but he did suffer lack and he did suffer ridicule, but through it, he didn't shrink back. So what are we gonna do with this? What do we do with this information? Will you choose to associate with Christ even if it means pain? Yes. But how? How do we associate with Christ in this life? And I've got two ways. You might wanna write them down. We can associate with Christ by loving the body of Christ and by refusing to be undercover Christians. Refusing to be undercover Christians. Moses rejected what was once valuable to be with God's people instead. Don't think that you can reject the world and then not somehow associate with Christ. When you turn away from the world, you are turning directly to Christ. When you turn away from your family here, you're turning directly to a family, a new family that you have in Christ. Before we ever talk, I'm sorry, you and I have no excuse for neglecting to join together in fellowship with believers. And before we talk about suffering, we've got to get on board with loving each other well, with being the body of Christ. If you don't go to church and you want to be a faithful Christian, if these truths make sense to you, then let them actually take root in your heart and in your actions. Go to church not because it's the right thing to do, not because it's the good Southern man or good Southern woman thing to do, but because you actually love Christ, but because it's actually your full assurance, your strong conviction that this is your family now. It's not just the right thing to do. If you're still hanging out with unsaved friends instead of Christian friends, guys, it's time to get real. How are you going to edify the body if you are not with the body? And how are you gonna call yourself a Christian if you're not in the body of Christ? Because there's, there's people your age who want to be dug in, who want to be faithful, who need support from you because that's how the body of Christ works. They need your fellowship. They need you to come alongside them and lock arms. They need your help. They need your accountability. When you reject this world, when you reject sin, you have to run straight to the family that you now have. The faithful do not neglect to embrace both of these things. They do not neglect to embrace loving the body and refusing to be an undercover Christian. Because the thing about associating with the body of Christ is it is ridiculously difficult to be a group of Christians acting as Christians do and still look like the world but it's very, very easy to keep your unsaved friends, to not associate with Christians, and to fly under the radar, and to have no impact on saving the lost, and to have no spiritual growth. But we don't do that. Under our third point, the faithful endure. 
So the faithful reject sin, the faithful associate with Christ, and now we see that they endure. Looking to verse 27. If you're not in Hebrews, you can run over there. Verse 27. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Seeing him who is invisible. That's, that's just riddled with faith. By faith, he left. Stop there. By faith, he left communicates much more than it actually lets on. Um, it, do you know, who knows what the original language of the Bible, the New Testament, was written in? Well, okay, there was, Hebrew was the Old Testament. How about the New Testament? Back row. Sawyer. Greek. So when you actually go and you look into Greek words, you get a much richer knowledge of what's going on because our English words don't quite compare. This word left isn't just like he left, like he walked out of the room. This word left communicates that what Moses was doing was, was on a much, much deeper than physical level. It is to abandon. It's almost like to divorce. It's to leave something behind with no intention of ever going back to it. To say that he abandoned Egypt is more accurate. There was no, there's no intention in his heart of ever returning there. He wasn't just putting distance between him and Egypt. He could have still been in Egypt and it was as if he was not there. Does that make sense? At his heart, at the core of his being, Egypt was no longer what he identified with. Why? What was it that Moses looked to that was, oh, sorry, where am I? Okay, what was it that Moses looked to that was more valuable that would force him to reject Egypt on this level? Verse 27 says, he endured as seeing him who is invisible. See, Moses viewed God as greater than the Egyptian empire. It was his assurance and conviction as beyond doubt that God, whatever it was, that God and whatever it was God preferred and offered was greater. Now think about Egypt. In scripture, Egypt was representative of bondage. Egypt was full of idolatry. The 10 plagues that Moses brought under God's power were specifically targeted at idols. The Nile was worshiped, so they turned it into blood. They worshiped all kinds of things like their livestock and they just died, you know? Or it was full of idolatry. And because their people were stuck there in slavery, it was representative of bondage. So what it's communicating here symbolically, when it says he abandoned Egypt, he rejected Egypt, was that he rejected and abandoned bondage. He rejected and abandoned idolatry. This is so much bigger than just I walked out of a certain land. It's not just I was right here, I am over there. I am no longer under bondage. I am no longer in sin. I no longer associate with idolaters. As Moses abandoned Egypt for good, no longer identifying with or looking back at it, we ought to do the same. It ought to be our heart's cry and our total devotion ought to be thrown into rejecting sin in this way. That if we truly believe, then we don't just kind of step away from sin, but that it is a full scale and total 
abandonment. We disown it. It's not our life anymore. We divorce it. See, when I married Lainey, she came to live with me. She took on my name. And it would be inaccurate for her to introduce herself as daughter of her parents before wife of me. Because now I am the one who cares for her, who cherishes her, who loves her. We are one now. It's no longer a family thing. It's our new family set up by God. See, in the same way that Lainey now identifies with me as her family, Moses no longer identifies with Egypt or his life there. What he was before no longer has any sway, any power over who he is now as God's man. So that, that place and its bondage no longer have any power over him. And we as Christians have been freed from sin's bondage through Christ. And if you have placed your faith in Christ as your savior and your Lord, then sin no longer has any power to condemn you as a child of wrath. But instead you're seen as a member of the church and the church is the bride of Christ. See, this is a beautiful truth for Christians, but it isn't much if we don't know what to do with it. If you're hearing me and you've placed your faith in Jesus, act like it. By faith, act like it. Not out of some habitual ritualistic action, not just to look the part, but actually from your heart, act like it. And it's, it's gonna be difficult. And you might be asking how, for one, if you're no longer bound to sin, then stop living like it. Sin is no longer something that you can put up with. When it rears its ugly head, you, you kill it. Don't entertain it. Don't entertain it in friend circles. Don't entertain it because you're pressured into it at a certain time. We don't flirt with it anymore. It's gone, it's done. We've divorced it. We need to take up the weapons that our Lord has provided us with. See, the Bible isn't called a sword in scripture for no reason. Look at Ephesians 6. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. And that's just beautiful. That's, that's a sermon in itself. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. If you're going to turn from sin to forever identify as one of the children of God instead of one of the children of wrath, then you must be properly equipped because to choose God, to live by faith, your life doesn't continue. You're placed into a battle. Your life of sin is gone. And to be in Christ, it's time to fight. If you're thinking to yourself right now that you have faith, the test of whether you truly do is whether or not you go home to a lifestyle of sin or whether or not you go home and fight. A relationship with God by faith will not require any less from you than a normal earthly relationship will. You must learn about God if you're going to love him. You must communicate with him in prayer if you're going to say that you love him. And this shows a heart that is faithful. It shows a heart that didn't reluctant, reluctantly leave Egypt, but that happily left Egypt. Take time daily to read scripture and to pray. 
When you read, there's a very simple method for understanding. And when you pray, there's a very simple method for staying intentional. Because I know it's very easy to fall asleep while praying and very easy to fall asleep while reading. Or worse, to just get really confused and quit. So, okay, these should be on the screen. They are called soaps and acts. If you don't know what soaps and acts are, make them your friends. Guys, it's time to get real. And this is one way to get real. SOAPS, it's an acronym, stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer, and Sharing. Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer, and Sharing. Guys, these are ridiculously important. And I get that it's a funny little SOAPS thing, but you've got to hold on to it. Scripture, you read it. Observation, you understand it. You learn it. Application, put it to use. Don't acquire useless information. People who acquire useless information are no good. And Christians who acquire useless information are no good for Christianity. Has put scripture to use. Pray about it. Talk to God about what you've learned about him. Talk to God about what you've learned about what you need to do. And then share with a brother or sister in Christ. Because as we talked about in point two, you have a responsibility to those who are with you in Christ. And then Acts. Acts is such a beautiful way to pray. And we need to be more intentional with prayer. We need to spend more time actually talking to God. The A stands for adoration. We sit back, we look up at God, and like admiring the stars in a night sky, we're just breathless. Like, it's just enamoring. We sit there and we tell him about how wonderful he is, how great he is for having created, how great he is for having saved us. We adore him. Number two, confession. After we're done worshiping God in prayer, you switch to confessing. Because the sins that you've committed, you cannot just leave. Talk to him. And then thanks. Thank God for everything, guys. You live in America. Like, you go to wonderful schools. You probably don't think that, but it's true, you do. Come on, argue with me. I dare you, I got the mic. Thank him for everything. Thank him for your families. Thank him especially for the body of Christ. And in supplication, supplication comes last because supplication is the part that it's about you. Supplication is making your needs known to God. It's not that God doesn't value your needs. He does value your needs. He wants you to tell you tell him your needs. But for your sakes, and so that you don't f- go straight to that one, make that last. Praise God. Confess your sin and repent. Thank God for everything. And then make your needs known to him. If you do these things, remember why you do them. Remember that It's because you believe in who he is and what he's done that you study his word. You long to know him because you love him. And so you study diligently. And then when you pray, praise him well. Talk to him continually because you love him. Because communication is how a relationship works. Talk with God. Moses chose to walk according to faith. He did not regard his life or royal riches as more valuable than being a citizen of the kingdom of the eternal God. 
And it was not easy to reject his life. It was painful to associate with God's people. To take on the reproach of Christ was not easy. And when he left Egypt, the bridge was burned between him and his old life. Him and people he loved. Him and things he loved. The path of faith was difficult for Moses, but he looked to the reward. A better reward than what he had in Egypt. And our path will be no less difficult. We are faced with the same difficulties, the same decisions to be made. Our lives we must reject just the same. But we endure to the end because it is our full assurance and our strong conviction that the promises of God to reward the faithful are true. And I want to take a little bit of time to address what some of you might be thinking because I know this is sort of a list of demands. Reject sin is difficult. Associate with people that maybe you're not used to associating with is difficult, and I get that. And enduring to the end is, well, but I want you to be encouraged because these are not things that you were required to do on your own. These are things that God comes alongside you in. Because as a good father, he comes alongside his children and he strengthens them throughout their life. Guys, if you have faith in God and if you choose to do works that God loves, if you choose to associate with the people that God loves, he comes alongside you and he strengthens you to do it more. I want you to know that all of the difficult and painful decisions that will be made in faith will not be made alone. He loves those who are his and he does not neglect them or leave them to fight by their own strength. Turn to 2 Peter. This is our last scripture. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Hold on to this verse. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. He's called us to his own glory and excellence. By faith we strive for his own glory and excellence, but he provides everything that is necessary for life and godliness. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, God, for Moses. God, thank you for his story that reflects faith well. God, thank you that it can be an encouragement to us God, even thousands of years later. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us in our faith. God, that our feeble belief, that our little minds wouldn't be on our own, but God, that you would be near, that you would strengthen us through your word and through your spirit that you'd empower us to do what it is you ask of us. Lord, thank you that you tell us that you're with us even to the end of the age. Empower us to go forth with that in mind. Help us to go home, Lord, and live by faith. Amen. Thanks for listening, and a special thanks to all of you who have subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. If you would like to learn more about Elevate, you can visit us at iloveelevate.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for everything you do that brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Now go, follow Jesus.